listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Please raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. For the record, please state your name. Simon, son of Jonah. And are you known by any other name? Yes, I'm also called Peter. Are you or have you ever been a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I, I guess I Please speak directly into the microphone. Yes, I am one of his disciples. And who did you believe this Jesus to be? At times, I believed he was the son of the living God, the Messiah, but other times, I, I just didn't know. What made you think he was the Messiah? The, the miracles, the, the teaching. And no one loves like that. And what would you say caused your doubt? All of a sudden, everything was getting really, really real. Last week, when he rode into town on a donkey, everyone was crying, Hosanna. It was amazing. The whole town came out. Then he went crazy in the temple. Uh, he, He turned over tables and drove out the money changers. The priests were not happy. He, he, really, he really made a scene. We really thought he would have been establishing his kingdom by now. We were ready. But then at the Passover meal, he was telling us about the bread and the wine symbolized his blood and his body. He, he was telling us that he was going to be turned over to the authorities. I, I told him I, I, I would never let that happen. I, I, I would die before I let them take him. Then he said to me, get behind me, Satan. I, I just, I, I, I thought we were on the same side. Would you please tell the court your version of the events leading up to your denial of this one called Jesus? I, I know it sounds really bad, but I, I was so scared. I mean... If they were doing that to him, what, what would they do to me? I tried to stop them. I, I cut off one of the guard's ears with my sword, but Jesus scolded me a, again and literally picked up the ear off the ground and put it back on the guy's head. I, I was so confused and, and scared. I, I'm, I'm so ashamed. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, How can I ever forgive myself? I call to the stand the second disciple. Please raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you God. I do. 
For the record, please state your name. Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot. And are you known by any other name? No. Are you, or have you ever been, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes, I, uh, I was one of the 12. And who did you believe this Jesus to be? I, I believed him to be a prophet, possibly the, the Messiah. What made you think he was the Messiah? Did you see the way he commanded a crowd? I mean, they hung on every word. He fed, he could feed 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and, and a loaf of bread and the healing. Lepers made whole, blind men seeing, the dead raised. We could have overthrown Rome and be liberated, just like the scriptures say, and we never be hungry or in need of anything ever again. So if you believed this, what made you turn him over to the authorities? I did what I did because something needed to happen. We really thought he would have established his kingdom by now. He just kept stringing us along, telling us we weren't ready. Ready for what? We've been waiting for this for generations. We were more than ready. Go on. I did what I did because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Either he was the king or he wasn't. Either he was our deliverer or he wasn't. I was tired of waiting. He either needed to do what he was supposed to do or get out of the way. And so what did you do? What happened was I jumped the gun. I shouldn't have gotten involved. I didn't know they were going to kill him. I was just forcing his hand, giving him the opportunity to rise to power. I didn't think it was going to go down like it did. I tried to take it back. I tried to give them back the silver. He didn't deserve that. I'm so ashamed. I don't know what I was thinking. How could I ever forgive myself? Jesus was many things to the people who met him, and the things he did and said impacted people so profoundly, their stories spread throughout the known world and, through the passage of time, came to us as scripture. Join us as we hear the accounts of these eyewitnesses, men and women who testify to the truth they found in the one named Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. <laughs> That's funny because the lights were down. Good to see you. Working on my dad jokes. Normally, they're pretty strong. So 
I think you've probably heard a fair amount about Peter and about Judas, and you have certain ideas about who they are and how their roles kind of played out in the story of Jesus. So let's think about it. I mean, Jesus only had 12 disciples, and they both ranked amongst that 12, chosen by Jesus. They both um, saw the miracles that he did, saw him feed multitudes, saw him heal the sick, uh, deliver the captive, uh, made certain professions about him, ate meals with him. Both of them had their feet washed by Jesus, and both of them were baptized. So they share a lot in common. And with the rest of the disciples, they all had an expectation that Jesus was going to be something other than what he actually was. Like they they needed, they wanted a political messiah, a, a militant messiah, someone who would set up a government, someone who would deliver them from Rome. I mean, the whole idea of the messianic expectation was that the people of Israel were captive and that they needed a deliverer. I mean, this is, this is why when, when uh, you know, James and John will say, when you come into your kingdom, can we be your, on your left and right? Can we rule with you? And so Peter's expectations, Judas's expectations were very much the same. Even when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, Jesus said, well, part of my role as Christ is that I'm going to have to die. And Peter's like, well, I won't let that happen. Yeah? So it's not like they were embracing Jesus' sacrificial life. In fact, they didn't seem to be able to understand it. I mean, multiple times Jesus would talk about his, um, his upcoming death. And each time he does it, they all seem a little, like, confounded. Like, if I told you all, man, I am starving to death. No one's going to jump up and run out, you know, and grab food or, you know, bring it to me. No, no one's coming with, you know, where are you? Somebody said they were? I'm, I'm starving to death right now. Come on. What you waiting for? Yeah. You hear that, but... You don't, you don't think it's act, that I'm actually going to die. I mean, if you did, you would behave differently. So I think when Jesus said, the Son of Man must die, they're like, this is going to be really hard, right? They take it hyperbolically. They take it metaphorically. None of them are actually acting like they believe that this is going to end this way. And so in their own ways... Both Judas and Peter uh, betray Jesus. They deny Jesus. So Peter starts, of course, with his very Peter-esque way of being in the world, where it's kind of, he's large and in charge, right? Jesus will ask a question, and Peter speaks up. So as someone who's been in the classroom for a long time now, a few decades, uh, I know exactly what that's like, to ask a question, and there's that one kid in the class that always speaks first, right? Don't, you don't have to raise your hands if you're one of those students. <laughs> but, but you all have that, if you, you know, if you can remember what it's like to be in a, in a, in a classroom. 
there's always that kid that speaks up first. Peter was that kid in that class, right? He's always speaking up first. Jesus goes to wash his feet, and Peter's like, you can't wash my feet. No, 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 no. It's not going to go down like that. I should wash your feet. Jesus is like, buddy, my feet aren't dirty. <laughs> You're the one who's You're the one that needs forgiveness. Unless I wash your feet, you can't be my disciple. So it's not like Peter's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, you know, wash away. No, Peter, still large and in charge, thinks that he has a better idea than Jesus, you know? Okay, I get it, I get it. You're the washer, I'm the washee. But don't just wash my feet. Wash my head and my hands too. I mean, Peter's still trying to be in charge. He, he still thinks he knows best. And Jesus says, well, the one who has bathed has no need to wash except for the feet. Now, I really hope that they're speaking metaphorically here. They're, they're talking about spiritual issues, right? That the one who has bathed, meaning the one who's been baptized, has no need to be rebaptized. but foot washing is something that can reoccur so that in baptism, we have a sign of our forgiveness from kind of our original state. But in foot washing, repetitively, we have a sign of continual forgiveness. Like in 1 John, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, yeah? Because if we want to take this literally, like if that's our hermeneutic, if that's our interpretive, you know, then Peter just asked Jesus to give him a bath. And I just can't go there, right? Like that's, you know, Jewish men just didn't do that. I mean, even today. I'm not asking any of you to bathe me. All right, sorry, that got awkward. <laughs> so you think Peter's learned his lesson, right? You know, Jesus just, you know, sits him down, washes his feet. So with his actions, he's already denied Jesus's kind of leadership role, right? With the way he's behaving, his kind of do-it-yourself mentality, which typically I think we would celebrate in our culture, right? Get it done, do it yourself, you know, just go to Lowe's, Home Depot, fix it, right? But that's not the way the faith works. The faith is not do-it-yourself. The faith is rely on God, right? The faith is what God does. It's what we receive. It's a gift, so Peter apparently hadn't learned very much because, you know, as, as we heard earlier, Peter was probably a little miffed when Jesus called him Satan, <laughs> right? So Peter says, I will never let you die. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter says, you can't wash my feet. Okay, you can wash my feet and my head and my, head and my hands. And the next time we see Peter, it's at the arrest of Jesus, and he's pulling out his sword, and he's cutting off this guy's ear. And uh, little known fact, the ear that was cut off belonged to a slave of the high priest. Now, there were some Roman soldiers standing there. He could have used his sword against one of them, right? So I'm, I can pull out his sword, and he's looking at the Roman soldier. And he comes over here, and he cuts off the ear of this slave. <laughs> I got this one. <laughs> Jesus, you get that one. <laughs> we'll get him. 
Peter. So Peter says, you will not die. Peter says, you can't wash my feet. Peter takes out a sword and cuts off somebody's ear because he's going to protect Jesus, right? I hear us do this all the time. You know, we're going we're to defend God. We're going to stand up for Jesus. Listen, God doesn't need you to defend God. God doesn't need you to stand up for Jesus. He's got it covered. Now, if you want to stand up, you can stand up with Jesus. But Jesus is already standing up for the marginalized. So if you don't like that crowd, then be careful. Because that's the only way to follow Jesus. The next time we see Peter, he's huddled up at a campfire in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. And he's saying, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that guy. That rabbi from Galilee? What's his name? Jesus? No, 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 not me. And three times, Peter will say, I don't know him. The third time it says he swears to tell the whole truth. I don't know that man. So then there's Judas. So Judas is a disciple. At that same foot-washing dinner that they had, they'd had this Passover meal. Jesus gets up. He role plays, dresses up like a slave. He's washing their feet. He washes Judas's feet. And at that meal, we find out that Satan had put something in Judas's heart and that he's going to betray Jesus, that he's going to take his 30 pieces of silver in exchange for letting them know where Jesus, where Jesus was. If, if you got this kind of coming in, if you didn't, um, raise your hand, and we'd like to get, get it to you. Stick your hand up like this, and Rebecca's going to come around to make sure. Just, if you could, just keep it up just for a minute. She'll make her way around, and we're going we're gonna to come back to this in a second. So what was Judas's motivation? It's hard to say. I mean, there is, in one of the gospel accounts, there is a story where the alabaster jar is being broken, and Judas is like, man, that was really expensive. We could have used that money to help the poor. Now, some people are quick to say, well, he probably didn't really want to help the poor. He just wanted to help himself. I don't know. I think, I think we have to be careful. Because I know that in my own life, I've denied Jesus before. If not in my words, certainly in my actions... But I think in my, in my words as well, there have been times where I've said things I shouldn't have said or I should have said things and I didn't say them. I mean, if I'm being honest, I've denied and betrayed Christ too, both in the way I've behaved and then in the way I've spoken. And I typically think amongst Christian folk, that's exactly the order that it comes in. That is, we live a kind of a life that's unfaithful to eventually we start to speak in ways that match the way we live. Like, we say, I believe in God, but then we just think we have to get it all done ourselves, right? And it's all of this kind of do-it-yourself uh, kind of piety. Now, I, this is a strange thing to hear in church on a Sunday morning, I know. 
But I think there are ways in which our emphasis on piety works against us. We think that somehow if we can just do it all just right, everything will be okay. That's exactly what Peter thought as he denied the power of Christ in his life, which eventually led him to say, I don't know the Christ. And I think Judas is very much in a similar category. He's one of the 12. He's been baptized. His feet have been washed. He had seen Jesus. Jesus had taught him. He had trained him. He had been Jesus' disciple. There is, um, from the ancient uh, times, a book that was very popular um, in about the 2nd and 3rd century called The Gospel of Judas, uh, allegedly written by Judas, um, but it was written kind of after he did, so it was a pseudonym. What's interesting about the Gospel of Judas, I'll just give you the, a, a brief summary of it. Uh, in the Gospel of Judas, Jesus was saying, I'm going to die, like he does in the Gospels in the Bible. But un, unlike the Gospels that we know, where everybody's kind of saying, oh, no, we'll never let that happen, Judas, in the Gospel of Judas, is like, oh, I get it. He needs to die. Like, his death is part of the story. If he dies on the cross, then he can go be with the Father, and he can provide us a way for salvation. Yeah? We can leave behind this world with all of its struggles and troubles. We can be set free from the, from the unfortunate confines of our finitude, and we can be free. We can be light. We can be angels with harps on clouds. You know, how many of you ever heard that, you know, we're all going to live this life, it's going to be short, and then we're all going to go live in heaven? Yeah? Let's just go to heaven when we die. Yeah? That's the gospel of Judas. I'm not kidding you. Our gospels say that Jesus is going to come back and there's going to be a resurrection and there's a new creation and that we will live an everlasting life in a resurrected body and a new creation. That's a different story. And our story then would say that physical things matter. That the, the actual incarnation, which is a big word, but the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us, to quote John, right? That, that is a radical affirmation of the goodness of creation. Like when God created, he said it was good. And then God became flesh and dwelt among us, showing us that it was good. And if God just wanted to just die on a cross and then move on, the, there was no need for a resurrection. Like why have a resurrection? Why not just pay the debt on the cross and then just go on to be with the Father? Which is exactly what the Gospel of Judas argues. That there wasn't a resurrection. You didn't need one. The resurrection, if, if the incarnation is an affirmation of the goodness of creation, then the resurrection is just a reaffirmation of that. That the, the way we find ourselves is, is part of what God has created which is why we should care for such things. It's why we need to uh, give water to the thirsty and food to the hungry and clothes to the naked and to welcome the stranger and to care for the sick and to visit the prisoner. It, it is, you know, the great commandment, which only 
is the only thing that can make the Great Commission make sense, right? We love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. That's why, as we go, we disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Christ has taught us. And what Christ has taught us is to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. The, the faith is not something that takes place in our head, or at least not exclusively in our head. It takes place in our heart, in our hands, in our feet. When you greet someone, someone else with peace, when you love them, right? This is, this is the, when you forgive them, right? This is the gospel that's, that's taking place. And unfortunately, I think that gospel of Judas, which I know none of you have read, is nevertheless too popular an understanding of the faith in our culture where we can just let go of all the physical things and move on to the spiritual things. We can just have a life in heaven after it's all said and done and we don't have to worry about the muck and the mire. Matthew will tell us that Judas was distraught after his betrayal of Jesus and that he died by suicide. Uh, Mark, Luke, and John avoid the topic. It's a hard topic to talk about. We avoid it too. Luke will talk about it a bit. He brings it up in Acts, not in the gospel. So we'll give him credit for that. But in today, what we know in today's world, with anxiety and with depression and with um, the pressures of, of modern life on people. I want to be very careful when I speak on this subject. No one can say what's happening in the life and heart of someone who experiences such things. And that includes, my friends, Ju Judas. You don't know. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. We have all this kind of judicial imagery in John's gospel. I mean, we're playing on it heavy in this series, right? Nothing but the truth. Testimonies, witnesses, the whole truth. But we need to understand our role. Our role is the role of witness. We bear witness to what Christ has done in us. We tell others about what Jesus has done for us and in us. That's, a, that's our role. We testify. The role of judge belongs to God. That is not for us. We do not pass judgment. So some say, hey, it's best not to talk about death by suicide because if you do, someone who's struggling, it might encourage them to do it. I say, look, if we don't talk about it, I think that can encourage too. I, I, I don't think there's a neutral place to stand here. What I want you to know, all of you to know, is that God loves you. That Jesus died for you. 
that I love you and this church is here for you. And we just want you to flourish. We want you to be the best you you can be, to be who God has created you to be, to be light and salt in your, in your, in your families and in your communities and in your work and in your schools. But for the grace of God, where do any of us go? We live lives where sometimes we confess like we did last week. We, we, we quoted Martha, right? You are the Christ, the son of the living God who has come into the world. We ended our service with a, a common confession called the Nicene Creed. And we said amongst that, I believe this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It is something we profess. But we also know if we're honest with ourselves that there's all sorts of things that we do in our lives that don't profess that truth. We talk about freedom as though it's something that's easily grasped and obtained and utilized. But unless I'm alone, freedom is pretty uh, elusive. How free am I really? Because I find myself wanting to do things that I know are right, and I'm still not doing them. Anybody else there? I find myself doing things that I know are wrong, and I'm still doing them. I don't feel so free. But that's not the end of the story, right? Because Christ is free. Because Christ can do what's right, and Christ can do what's not wrong, yeah? And that's happened. And he continues to intercede at the right hand of the Father. So that when I do something right, I shouldn't celebrate it as, wow, I've done something right. I, sh I, should, be ha I should celebrate it as, wow, <laughs> look at what God's done in me. And vice versa, when I do something wrong, I don't have to beat myself up like, oh, I can't believe I did that again, right? But I can ask again for forgiveness and know that it's always there. This is why we so regularly come to the table. We come to the table because it is a practice that reminds us of our forgiveness it tells the story anew, afresh, again and again. It tells us the story that Jesus has done everything, that Jesus continues to do. He continues to invite us to the table. And then he instructs us, when you pray, forgive, and your Father will forgive you. Take and eat, see, taste that the Lord is good. We all have within us some Peter and some Judas. Some, because those two fellows overlapped quite a bit. But that's okay. Because 
Jesus is here today asking you, do you love me? And you can respond like Peter, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says again, do you love me? And you can say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then you can ask again, do you love me? And you can say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then, feed my sheep. Care for others. If you love me, care for them. So we come into the church to worship God collectively, yeah, to see each other, to greet each other in peace, to pray, to receive, so that we might leave the church and carry the good news with us so that other people can know, so that we can be agents of forgiveness and mercy and love and grace so that we can stand up against injustice and care for those that others won't. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.